0: up broncos country what's up broncos country
1: it's phil lindsey
2: justin simmons here this
0: is alexander johnson hey i'm von miller and you're listening to the neutral zone
2: hello and thank you for joining us here on the neutral zone i am phil Milani. joined as always by my partner in crime my trusty sidekick really the best way to describe this person is my everything it's at eric Dalala.
0: Phil, I'm excited to be here. I have energy and I'm I'm fired up and I don't hate you no matter what the YouTube commenters think. I don't hate you. I don't think you're stupid.
2: Thank you, Eric. Smug face. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, of course, Phil, the, uh, uh,
0: the neutral zone has made its way to YouTube and people aren't quite familiar with how things go around
1: here.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We're finally getting some uh, instant feedback from uh, from uh, fans from NZ Nation, now that uh, the Neutral Zone is on YouTube. And some of the commenters, not very nice about my uh, theory on uh, the potential of benching Drew Locke last game. I just wanted to clear up something right off the bat. I never said that they should bench Drew Locke. All I said was I would have understood if they had. And I don't need to cause a whole storm here on YouTube. You know, that's not what I said. And uh, for the record, plenty of great quarterbacks in history have been benched and gone on to have tremendous success. You might have heard of him, Peyton Manning. He was benched after throwing five interceptions against the Chiefs in 2015. He came back, and I think that the team won the Super Bowl. Wow. 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 Ron Elway as a rookie was benched. Steve DeBerg came in and had a lot of success. And then John came back, and guess what? His career worked out okay. So yeah, there are examples, and, but, but I was not suggesting it. I was just simply saying I would have understood that. You know that Drew Locke's my cue.
0: That's my and cue. Here's, and here's why you were right. If you <laughs> did say it, which you definitely didn't. But if you did, here's why you would have been right. No, we don't need to uh, – that's not re-litigate. get litigate. yeah exactly we don't need to go back through that but um you know it's it's i wouldn't say it never gets old because i don't want you to think that i'm i'm hurting your feelings or, or rubbing it in but it's always nice uh every week when people agree with me instead of you yeah.
2: I well, maybe try. it doesn't I, ever get old. You know, sometimes I do that on purpose just to boost you up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'll have yeah. like a crazy take and then that helps you out a little bit.
0: Well, what what do you got for me today?
2: Yeah. We got a great show in store today. Jay Feely from CBS, the former field goal kicker. He's been calling a lot of Broncos games this year. Uh, he'll be on the call again. This Sunday, when the Broncos take on the Falcons, we caught up with him and talked, uh, you know, all sorts of things about Drew Locke and this Broncos team. And we also talked, of course, about Brandon McManus, Eric. So, uh, how could you he, not really? Exa- exactly. Exactly. So, uh, uh, we got a conversation coming up with Jay Feely. Plus, uh, we'll talk about Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. How should the Broncos be splitting up those carries now? You know, Philip Lindsay had that 55-yard touchdown last week. A lot of people are saying, feed Phil. I thought they were talking about me, and I was like, I'm not hungry. I don't need
0: – You've been fed, fed enough, I think. I've
2: been fed. So uh, we'll get into how the Broncos should mix up those carries. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's gone on this week, Eric, as the Broncos, uh, in the intensive protocol for COVID, of course, John Elway, Joe Ellis testing positive. This week, and they're not the only ones who are on the reserve COVID list. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit, and uh, maybe we'll just talk about if this Broncos team has turned the corner. And Maybe that's a good place to start, Eric, is, you know, uh, some people are saying that was a collapse by the Chargers last week. Some people are saying, no, the Broncos came back. Regardless of how you feel there, the Broncos have won three out of four games. And their only loss came to the defending Super Bowl champions.
0: Who is saying that it wasn't a collapse?
2: I'm saying that the Broncos came back in that game. They initiated the comeback. Philip Lindsay's run gave them a spark, energized them, and they just played great football. More so than the Chargers just completely falling apart. What do you think sure. about that?
0: Um, I mean, I think it's a uh, you're going to edge yeah, combination exactly edge yeah. edge. A little yard work, can <laughs> I do my best there? Phil, um, so, you know i I think the Broncos made plays. could would they have done that against uh, most teams? Probably not. It does seem like the Chargers are just cursed to some degree, but in the larger picture of where the Broncos stand and have they turned the corner, I think you have to say that they have turned some sort of corner just because they've won some of these close games that in the past they don't win. And, you know, the three out of the four, um, to me, it's 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 a decent stat, but it includes a win over the winless Jets that was probably closer than it needed to be. Granted, that was with Brett Ripon at quarterback. The Broncos really haven't won three out of four games very often here, Phil, over the last few years. They obviously won four out of five with Drew at the end of last season. And then there was a stretch in 2018 where they won three in a row against the Chargers, Steelers, and Bengals. And then before that, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of 2017 when they started three and one. So just the fact that they've done that, I think, shows that they've uh, turned a little bit of a corner with this group. Uh, Phil, to me, though, you know, bigger than the the three and four is the the quality of teams that you're competing against. So you, you saw them lose to the Steelers. With granted, Drew Locke only playing two possessions. You saw him lose to Tampa with a backup quarterback, and you saw him lose to the Chiefs uh, pretty badly. Obviously, that's the cream of the crop right now. When you're playing these teams that are, as I've said again and again, what I would consider more in your weight class, like jockeying for that wild card position, which are teams like the Chargers, the Raiders, the Dolphins. I think we'll really have a good sense here as the next few weeks go by of if this Broncos team has taken a step, because if they have they go two and one or three and oh in this stretch.
2: Well, and I think that uh, the big thing is just looking at the quality of play out on the field, you know, and the defense has been consistent. They've been good all season long. We sort of expected that defense to be good, but I think for this Broncos team to fully turn the corner, they need to play a complete game on offense is what I would say. And, you know, as great as that fourth quarter was the other day, and maybe that was a spark that could carry over into this week. I think they need to just show more consistency on the offensive side of the ball before I would say, all right, now this thing is humming. And, uh, you know, this week could be a, a good opportunity for the Broncos to get that done. Uh I think that Atlanta's big strength would be on their offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, They're 28 in yards, net yards per game. They're giving up 410 yards on average. They're giving up the most yards per play, worse than the NFL, giving up more, uh, let's see, six and a half yards per play, Eric. So maybe there's some big play potential here this week. And, uh, you know, I think that this could be the opportunity for this Broncos team to really come together and have a chance to play a complete game where, the offense plays really good the defense plays good and then i'll say yeah they turn the corner
0: yeah i i agree you know this is a game that the falcons are favored in but i think if you're the broncos and you want to have realistic chances of being in the playoff hunt this is a game you have to win you know there's there's opportunities down the road here to steal some other games but i don't see a path to 9 wins without beating a team like the falcons and so uh it's a big one and i feel I, I sometimes get worried even you know when it's a really good offense when it's a really good offense against a really good defense that the broncos have because to me if the falcons are able to get a couple early touchdowns like they get, did against the lions i believe or against the cowboys then that puts the broncos offense in a spot where they have to score and that that to me is tough and so i would almost rather see like great defense versus great defense. I will say the the offense showed potential that it hasn't in years, really. Um, a 21-point quarter, no matter how you want to slice it, is impressive and shows you the potential of what this this team can be if it's more consistent. And I think yeah. that you look at a game like New England where they didn't score touchdowns, but they moved the ball on six consecutive drives. That shows you what it could be. The last time they had a 21 point quarter was against the Cardinals in 2018. And so two of those scores were pick sixes. So it's been a really long time since they've been able to piece together a game like that. And it's a young offense. So do I expect them to go out and, and score what that'd be 84 points? I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen, but, um, they sh- have shown me that when they're at their best, they can be really good and kind of that's, that's where they're tracking.
2: Yeah. And, you know, this offense is starting to get better and better unless you look at those first three quarters last week, but I would say that I wouldn't do that. Don't look at that, but it does seem like maybe they're starting to find a groove. Maybe they get Tim Patrick back this week. You know, we'll have to see what happens there, but you know, they've gone through a lot so far through the beginning of the season with Philip Lindsay having some injury problems. Melvin Gordon missed the game. You know, it's been a revolving door at wide receiver. The tight ends have been banged up. You know, uh, now we've seen Albert O really come onto the scene. You know, I think that once they get this chemistry down and get into a rhythm, I think that, you know, maybe this is the week where they feel pretty good about about themselves after this going up against a, a Falcons defense that has struggled so far this year. So. If they are able to do that, I think then I would say, okay, they've turned the this the whole team has turned the corner, they'll be at four and four with a win this week if they can get that um so you know if it, if it, if you ask me, I think they're on the verge of turning you know maybe maybe they see the tur the turn coming up now you know they're starting they seen to see
0: loan or no. I think if they yeah, win they're this. They're definitely week,
2: they in put, the lane. They're in the turn they're, lane. They're in the lane. Yeah. Yeah. They're in the turn lane.
0: But maybe You're you've got like one us. more block before you actually make the turn. Exactly. I think if you win this week, you put your signal on and you start slowing down to, to make the turn.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because look, the Falcons, they've got talent. They're they've won uh the two of their last three games. If it wasn't for that Todd Gurley little uh mishap where he could have taken a knee and run they could have run out. The clock and stuff against the Lions. If you take that away, then this is a pretty good Falcons team the last three weeks. So, you know, I wouldn't, if they beat them, I wouldn't just dismiss that as saying, hey, they beat like a team that fired their head coach, fired their GM. Um, I wouldn't look at it that way. I would say, well, the Falcons have been playing pretty well. The Broncos went on the road, traveled across the country again, Eric. Seems like every single road trip is all the way on the other side of the country. I suppose this game could have been in London. You know, uh, it was originally scheduled uh, uh, for London or was supposed to be scheduled, uh, you know, uh, according to what Vic Fangio had to say at the Combine. Thought maybe we'd be across the pond right now. Podcast would have had maybe a little bit of a different feel. Maybe we could have been in a pub, had a couple pints, Eric. But uh, our world, instead, so. instead uh, you and I... Are zooming from our, our respective homes.
1: That's
0: true. Yeah, I think a win over the Falcons would be would be big. And I'll I'll walk back what I said just a little bit. When I said I don't see a path if you don't win this weekend, I don't see a path if you don't get to five and five if you're not back at five hundred by that point. And so that means winning at least two of the next three games against the. You've got road games against the Falcons and Raiders, and then a home game against a, a Dolphins team that has the best scoring defense in football right now, I believe. So um, some tough. Some tough tasks up ahead, but I think you could look back in a few weeks and say, hey, close wins over the Chargers uh, against a Patriots team that has struggled, but you still went on the road and beat them. Those were key wins in helping this season uh, turn into something.
2: And if they do win this week, that would set up a pretty significant matchup against the Raiders on the road, uh, a chance for Drew Locke to really play in another big game that means something, you know, that was something that we learned, you know, a couple of weeks ago heading into that chiefs game. There was a lot of buildup heading into that game. And John Elway, when I talked to him that week, he said, maybe, you know, Drew's still got to learn a little bit on how to handle himself heading into a big matchup. Well, if they win this week, then all of a sudden the pressure is going to be on once again and another uh, opportunity to grow and develop and learn for Drew. So um, that's, what's on the line this week. If you win, then you're right back into it. And, You know, uh, you've weathered the storm a little bit to start the season, and you've been able to, uh, you know, get a couple wins where you should have got wins. You lost some games against some of the best teams in the NFL, and now you're right back in the mix. So after an 0-3 start, I think you'd be happy here. And, Eric, the last thing I'll say just about this matchup real quick here is that sometimes coaches like to break the season up into quarters four games at a chunk. Well, the Broncos were one and three that first quarter after an O and three start. But if they win this week, then they will be three and one in this quarter. And that's pretty good. You know, regardless of who you're playing or what's going on, if you go three and one in a quarter, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. And we'll have to see what happens here.
2: Yeah. So uh, let's turn the page now to talk about this Broncos running back room. You know, I, we saw both Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon healthy for an entire game last week. We saw Melvin Gordon really make some big plays against uh you know the that Chargers defense on that last drive, including that big third down catch. And uh we also saw Philip Lindsay bust out that 55-yard run. Eric, how do you think that the Broncos should be dividing touches between those two?
0: Oh, Phil, I think you know how I feel, and I don't think uh, you're just dangling me above the pit of YouTube commenters. You're stirring up the chum, and then you're like tossing him right in. Listen, Phil, I think they should do about the same thing they've been doing, which is if you look at it, those guys are getting about the same amount of touches. Um, Obviously, Melvin's probably got a little inflated there on that last drive uh just because you're going hurry up, Melvin is probably a slightly better option out of the backfield as a receiver. I think he showed you that on that third and five catch that was probably with the exception of maybe Alberto's touchdown catch, you could argue that third and five catch was the best catch of the game. Uh one
2: handed grab.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: tucked it in and then reached out for the for the first down. Yes.
0: I think Melvin is a bigger back that or he I don't think he is a bigger back that uh, gives you a little bit more security and pass protection. Even though I think Philip does a nice job there. And listen, Phil, the overarching message is just that in 2018, when Philip was able to split carries and stay fresh, he was really good. And then last year, when he had to shoulder more alone, I think he had 40 more carries, somewhere around that, he wasn't quite as explosive. You didn't see those long runs. You didn't see the you know, five, 10-yard runs in a game like he was on pace for against the Chiefs. And so if you're winning with this style of football where Phillip is getting six, seven, eight carries and three, four, five pass receptions and it's working, which it worked against the Chargers, even though things were poor for the first half, then keep keep going with that because I do think Melvin Gordon still has a skill set that you need. He showed that on third and one when he picked it up he shows that at times near the goal line. Um, So I don't think you want Melvin Gordon off the field, but listen, I I think Phillips at his best when he's fresh. And so to me, that means continuing to do what you're doing, even if it uh, is going to upset some people.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people look at some of the numbers and they say, well, why don't they just give him more carries? Well, what they're doing now is working pretty well. Uh, Melvin Gordon, so far this season, 375 yards rushing. Phillip Lindsey, you know, uh, had the injury earlier in the year, but he's had 287 yards rushing. So, you know, I think that they complement each other actually very well. You know, I think that that was a smart move to go get a bigger back like Melvin Gordon. In fact, I thought maybe there was a chance that they were going to give Gordon the ball on that uh, final play last week. You know, yeah. just – Considering that you're right at the goal line, you figure if you just go straight ahead one yard with a huge back. But obviously it was a better play to have an option there with Drew. But, you know, I think that Melvin Gordon's been doing a good job. You know, I think that other than some of the fumble problems, he's been playing pretty well. And if what you're doing is getting Lindsey with fresh legs a chance to burst and, and flash and do what he can out there, keep it going. I like actually how they've managed that. And um, it'll be interesting to watch, though, those two, because I think both of them sort of have this alpha personality. And, you know, that competition could be healthy for a while. But at some point, in my opinion, you kind of want that guy to just sort of be like, look, I'm 1A, the other guy's 1B. You know, I just sort of think that mentally, I think it's hard where you just don't know where you stand. Yeah. Well, I think
0: if you're winning, that makes things easier to stomach. You know, yep. if the Broncos can get a win in Atlanta and you go on the road and you beat a team like the Raiders and all of a sudden you, you say, Hey, we've gone from 0 oh, and 3 to, to 5 and 4, uh, that to me makes everybody happy. And there's, you know, if you do that, it means you're playing well. It means everybody, um, is getting theirs, so to speak. You know the, the only reason, the only place I really see that being a concern is in the red zone. It seems like it's almost exclusively Melvin, and so you know Philip's touchdown share is probably going to be lower than it than it has been. Um, yeah, it's working. Um, I think there are games like against the Chiefs, for example, Phil. They gave Philip Lindsay the ball a lot. I think he carried the ball nine times in the first half. He would have kept carrying the ball because his speed, his vision was working against the Chiefs um, and I don't think there was any indication they were going to stop going to him. So it might just be a game by game thing, but they're going to need both of them clearly because they've only been on the field together once or twice. And uh, let's just let's see how it goes. But I like the idea of keeping Lindsay fresh enough. So you have some more of those 55 yarders because that changes the game. You yep. know, if you can get one of those plays, it it completely changes the the nature of the game.
2: I agree, and the way for him to get those is with fresh legs and not just yep. constantly getting beat up on short runs, that kind of thing. You know, and uh, I would continue to try and figure out ways to get Philip Lindsay the ball in space. You know, get him uh, on a screenplay where he's catching the ball and he's surrounded by, you know, cornerbacks. Because he's gonna make those oh. guys miss and then he'll be off to the races. So um I think that they've been doing a good job there. I would just stick with mm-hmm. it. A lot of people are saying, hey, Philip Lindsay needs his new contract. He needs more he needs to get the ball more, give the man his respect. Well, I think that he's earning that. And I think that if he continues to play like this the way he has been, he's gonna get that new contract, I think. So Yeah. Don said that least. they were gonna the have very that conversation least. last off season and it just never really materialized. So,
0: yeah. Well, at the very least, uh, he'll be a restricted free agent. So if the team wants to keep him for one more year by tendering him at a second round level, for example, certainly doable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: So Eric, should we get to uh, a two truths and one lie here? Let's do it. Yeah. I think that this all night, this will be a nice little transition here. So, uh, Number 1 Eric here uh Philip Lindsay he's had uh, 45 attempts so far this year as i mentioned 287 yards rushing that is good for an average of 6.4 yards per carry that's number 1 in the NFL number 1 6.4 yards per carry okay 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 number 2 Drew Locke in that fourth quarter comeback last week threw 20 times and completed 16 passes, okay? Those 16 okay. completed passes are the most fourth quarter completion completions by a Broncos quarterback ever in a victory. Okay. Okay. 16, okay? And then the final one. Of course, the Broncos and Falcons have some history. They met in Super Bowl 33, And uh, a little interesting note is that that was John Elway's final game in the NFL, and his final touchdown pass was that big, long play to Rod Smith. That was the long touchdown pass to Rod Smith was his final touchdown pass of his career. That is two truths and one lie, Eric, right there.
0: Phil, every so often this happens where you give me two lies and one truth, and you don't mean to do it, but I think you've done it again. You
2: think I've done that again, huh? Yeah. Can you read the first one again? You want me to do the first one? Yeah. Okay. Philip Lindsay, okay, this season, 45 rushing attempts, Mm -hmm. 287 yards rushing, That's good for a 6.4 average. Okay. Okay. That average is good for the top spot in the NFL.
0: Okay. That's false.
2: That is false. That's correct.
0: But the Drew Locke one is also false.
2: No, it's not. His 16 completions in the fourth quarter are the most fourth quarter completions by a Broncos quarterback in a victory.
0: Drew Locke completed 14 of 18 passes in the fourth quarter.
2: That's not what uh my notes are showing me here. It says sixteen of twenty. <laughs> sixteen of twenty in my notes. You disagree with that, huh? I do disagree with that. Let me get a second let me get a second opinion here. Hold on a second. I don't know where our podcast supervisor, this is something that maybe he could have just double checked, you know, before I went into making a fool of myself. Potentially, potentially. I'm not gonna say that, but Let's see. Well, he completed what twenty six passes the whole game. Is it is that what you have?
0: Uh. Well, on um, we have a nice site Phil called NFLGSIS. It lets you sort by quarter. When you do that, it shows fourteen of eighteen.
2: That is uh, not the note that I had, Eric. So we'll have to we'll have to uh, maybe quadruple okay. check. Well, it's
0: always a, a pleasure games. playing two lies and one truth. <laughs>
2: I like to keep you on your toes, you know what I mean?
0: Um, I don't know if I said this because my memory is very short, but Kyler Murray, I believe, leads the NFL in yards per carry.
2: Uh, Actually, well, the notes, and again, maybe my notes are just way off, but uh, (laughs) this is most yards per carry, minimum five carries per game, which I assume Kyler Murray probably is getting five carries a game. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My notes say J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens is uh, winning that category. At six point seven yards per average. Got it. And again, it's very possible those these are Phil, these
0: are Phil truths. <laughs> I would fire Ben Swanson probably.
2: Eric, I yeah, think he's that um, yeah. Is it J.K. Dobbins?
0: Oh, I don't know. It's not. It's not Kyler though. Oh, but Kyler would qualify. He's at six yards per carry. Yeah. Paltry, paltry six.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Eric, I'm a little bit rattled, so why don't we get to my conversation with Jay Feely, okay? I need a a little bit of chance to re-settle down. So uh, uh, here's my conversation with uh, CBS's Jay Feely. Jay, uh, thanks for taking some time to join us. I know that you've done a lot of Broncos games uh, this (laughs) season. They've won three out of four, including that crazy comeback last week. Uh, Does it feel like maybe they're turning a corner here?
1: Well, I, I certainly think so. I feel like I'm on the Broncos beat right now. you know. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that, that, game, that game was just unbelievable to me. There was nothing that said that they were going to be able to come back. At one point, it was 152 yards rushing. To two yards rushing, they hadn't done anything at all offensively. You know, when I talked to Vic at halftime, he was just kind of just so frustrated because they hadn't done anything throwing the ball, running the ball. And I think the big play to me was, was Philip Lindsay and, and breaking off that run and, and scoring the touchdown. I think that just kind of opened things up. And then it became, well, if we get one more score, then we're only, it's a one score game. And then you get that score and then things begin to build and you make plays. And then now you start throwing the ball a little bit better and you start making plays, you know, through the passing game. And all of a sudden you're right in that game and you come down and you get a score at the end. And, um, you know, the elation and the, the relief on Drew Locke's face afterwards when I interviewed him was very palpable. Like he was like, so excited, but at the same time, uh, very relieved that they're able to come back and finally do something in that second half. And you know, I, I know that there was a bunch of guys in that sideline that weren't happy with the boos in the in the stands uh, in that game. But you know, I, I've been there. That's, that's just part of football. Uh, and, and really, I feel like you can't you can't let yourself worry or think about that. You know, you go out and you do your job, and it's really about those guys on the
2: sideline. You know, they were celebrating like crazy after Hamler caught that (laughs) touchdown. I was wondering, though, as a former kicker, people sort of forgot about that extra point. I mean, what do you think was going (laughs) through Brandon McManus' mind there?
1: Well, you know, there's a couple of instances in the NFL where crazy big plays have happened. Uh, You know, I think back to um, the Jaguars game, uh, you know, probably 20 years ago, and they had, you know, the play where there was a lateral, 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 and they go all the way down, they score this unbelievable touchdown, and then they miss the extra point. That was the old extra point. You know, so the last thing you want to do, you know, is come out in that situation and miss that kick. And that's all you're thinking about is not missing it, uh, not going out there and making it. But Brandon has done an unbelievable job all year. He's been one of the best kickers in the NFL. He signed that contract in the offseason. And I know I always felt when you, you, your team showed faith in you and they believed in you and they gave you an extension, Uh, It really helped me to go out and play my best and just have fun and not worry about it. And I think you're seeing that with Brandon.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, he's won AFC uh, Special Teamer of the Week a couple of times now this season. Back to back. What do you think? Does his motion just look better or is it just simply confidence? Is something like that?
1: I think it's probably a combination of everything. I think he's confident. He's secure. He's been there a long time now. He's a veteran in that locker room. The coaching staff knows him. Management knows him. The fans know him. He knows that stadium really well. The longer you play somewhere, the better you know it, the more comfortable you feel. I watched him go back to uh, 69 yards and warm-ups, no problem, before that game. You know, I was hoping he'd get one before before half. I know he was hoping he would get a long one as well. Uh, And at some point, I would not be surprised to see him break the NFL record.
2: Yeah, I know. He definitely uh, has been itching for that opportunity. Uh, Jay, last one for you here. You know, I haven't talked much about this matchup with the Falcons. I know that they've gone through some ups and downs and, uh, you know, fired their head coach, GM. But this team still has quite a bit of talent, though, right? Well,
1: you look at since they fired their head coach, their general manager,
2: and their special teams coordinator,
1: they've won two or three games. And really, if Todd Gurley takes a knee on the one-yard line, they've won three games in a row. You know, so it's a team that's playing better much like the Broncos team, and a team that's that's really loaded with offensive weapons. You know, they have a ton of weapons. Their quarterback is a, is a very good quarterback. They got two excellent receivers. They got a tight end who's a playmaker as well. Obviously, Gurley in the backfield. So you have to bring it. But that plays into the Broncos' strength. Their strength is that defense, and that defense has played well against everybody, including the, the Chiefs, you know, who have more weapons than anybody in the NFL. So I think if you're the Broncos, you feel like, our defense is going to keep us in games and offensively we need to be productive. And that's what you've seen, you know, throughout the last four games with this team.
2: Well, we're looking forward to the game on Sunday and uh, looking forward to the broadcast as well. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Good to see you. My thanks to uh, Jay Feely for uh, having a, a few moments there this week to uh, catch up and talk a little bit about this matchup. And I agree with him that, you know, it's not a, uh, This is not going to be some sort of a cakewalk in Atlanta. They've been playing very well recently, and uh, you know he also had some insight there on Brandon McManus and saying that sometimes when you're a kicker, you just need a little bit of confidence, and maybe that that uh, new contract gave that to him. So, uh, expecting more of the same there from uh, Brandon McManus, who's had himself a really great season so far. So, uh, Eric, we had a chance to. double check that statistic, and uh, it turns out that you are right that uh, it was 14 completions in the uh, fourth quarter. If the rest of my notes are correct, that would tie him with Brian Greasy for uh, most fourth-quarter completions in a Broncos victory. Uh, that with uh, that happened in 2002, Brian Greasy uh, against the Chiefs. Number one, then, would remain Tim Tebow, 15 completions, against the Chicago Bears in that magical 2011 season. So two lies and one truth this week, Eric. Um, Tough. Yeah. Uh, Eric, let's talk a little bit about the COVID situation this week for the Broncos. On uh, Tuesday, they found out that uh, John Elway and Joe Ellis, the Broncos' uh, president and CEO, both tested positive. Uh, The Broncos are saying that both of those instances uh, occurred away from the facility. They did, they did not get uh, transmitted at UC health training center. And then uh, just maybe an hour or so before we started recording this, we found out that Shelby Harris is heading to the reserve COVID-19 list as well, but not sure if that's a positive case yet or not.
0: Yeah. And it's clear that the, uh, the Broncos are dealing with this a little bit right now, obviously. Um, they're going to have to remain vigilant. I think they've – vigilant. Vigilant? Um, yeah. I uh, I think they made the right decision last week on Friday to cancel practice. Obviously, they did the same as we're recording this Wednesday and hope to get back out there on Thursday. But I think you just need to be cautious. And if that, if that means you miss a day of practice, if that means you've got to do some meetings virtually, uh that's what it's going to take and i do think the nfl phil has kind of taken a step forward here in a positive fashion with these close contacts saying you know if you're a close contact at all you've got to go home for the day if you're a high risk close contact you've got to go on this COVID 19 list i believe for until you have five consecutive tests after being away from that person who had the virus so um that's been a development since the year started. I think they're continuing to tweak it. We'll see what happens with Shelby. You know, if uh, he reportedly tested negative, according to some stuff that we have seen out there, the team is not officially allowed to comment on which, you know, whether he has it or whether or not he uh, was in close contact with somebody, but the way that it works with the close, the high risk close contact is that if you do have those five negative tests in a row, you can play. So if that's the the category that Shelby's in, he's not necessarily out for this week. But Phil, listen, it feels like we've done a, a decent job to this point, but we're not even halfway through the season, so still a lot of work to do uh, before we can get through a whole year.
2: And you know, uh, it, I think that the virus has proved more difficult than initially thought in terms of trying to contact trace, trying to you know keep keep it. Uh, you know, um uh, isolated, I think that while they've said that these things have happened away from the facility, it has the numbers have grown a lot this last week, starting with um Mike Munchek, the Broncos offensive line coach, then Graham Glasgow, and then John and Joe this week, a practice team player, um Shelby Harris now going to that list, so I think that. This is going to – this is a little bit of a wave here affecting the Broncos. And it's uh, – you know, the Broncos have done a good job trying to isolate this thing, trying to, you know, limit it. And, um, you know, this is a challenge now. And they've got to respond to it. They've got to adjust to it. Um, it's two days in a row now that the building has pretty much been shut down. Uh, on Wednesday, Vic Fangio said that he expected to have practice on Thursday – that he thought that Mike Munchak was going to be back, you know? Um, So, you know, I think that this is part of what Fangio said is that you got to roll with the punches. So uh, I think football wise, the lack of practice is a little bit concerning, but we've seen teams like the Tennessee Titans, they didn't even practice and they were able to get a victory against the Buffalo Bills that week. I think that, you know, Body-wise, maybe the players can recoup a little bit better. They have been allowed to go in and get treatment during this time. So maybe the lack of practice time is going to help them be fresher. But just getting the muscle memory down of what the game plan is going to be for this specific week, that is going to be area that is affected.
0: Yeah, and you know, if there was no practice, I'd feel more concerned. Um, you know, if they're able to get in there Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, before flying out to Atlanta, I, I would feel better about it. Um, I also think that to me, the, the practice is a walk through speed is almost as good as, in some ways as a full practice when you're in season. Um, these guys aren't tackling to the ground. These guys aren't wearing full pads generally. Um, so it's not like you're you're going crazy anyway. I will say, from a football standpoint, my biggest concern is is what happens if Shelby Harris cannot play because the run defense was already poor to be uh, kind against the Chargers, and with no Mike Purcell, no Shelby Harris, you know, does that mean that you're looking at a Sylvester Williams, Draymond Jones? Um, gosh, I don't even know who would be the the uh, Deshaun Williams. Is that is that Deshaun your starting? Williams. Deshaun Williams is that the, is that your starting group? So um, it'll be interesting to see, but that the run defense would be my concern with Shelby currently being on the reserve COVID list.
2: I mean, if you want to think about it an even a little bit of a bigger picture, Eric, a concern could be if these cases start to, start to magnify, then you might be thinking the game is in jeopardy. You know, I think that the NFL has, Earlier in the year, they tried to move games around, delay them a day or two. Uh, you saw, obviously, the Broncos' schedule get reshuffled around. But at some point, there's not, there's no more bye weeks. There's The flexibility is gone. And, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out the rest of the year. And specifically for the Broncos in the next couple of days here, it's going to be really important that they – stop having positive cases, I guess, if they want to make it so that this game can happen. And, you know, uh, obviously our first thought is with the health and, you know, the safety of the players. And we hope that everybody makes a full recovery. We heard in terms of John Elway and Joe Ellis, we've heard that they've had some minor symptoms, but are otherwise doing okay. So, you know, we, uh, we hope that everybody's making a full recovery here, but Football-wise, you know, there's another element to this, and you just hope that first of all the spread doesn't continue, and then you hope that they're able to play these games.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And you've seen the reports of the NFL saying if they can't get all these games in, maybe you expand to a uh, an eight-team playoff on each side, which obviously would help the Broncos given <laughs> where they are now. But you still got to get these games in in order to qualify for that, and so. um Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully we're able to play all these games. Uh, hopefully the Broncos are able to to earn some wins here. But, yeah, the, obviously the health is the most important. And I do think Vic Fangio um, has prioritized that in terms of his, you know, there have been times, I think last week, Joe Ellis told Vic, it's up to you whether we want to practice today or not. I'm okay with it. The NFL was okay with them practicing. And Vic Fangio said, we're sending people home because that's the right thing to do. So I think that's the attitude they'll just need to keep moving forward.
2: Yeah, of course. And, you know, I think that the players, you know, respond well to that too, is that, hey, our head coach really cares about us. The organization cares about us. And I think that that's ultimately what's most important is that the players feel like they're safe and and their health and uh, safety are prioritized, you know. So, and I think that Vic, in addition to this, has had the right mindset in terms of, This is not an excuse. Every team's dealing with this. We've got to try and minimize the impact here. And uh, he said it several times, you're just rolling with the punches, Eric. So I think that that's been the right approach. And that's part of that mental toughness that I think that we've seen from this Broncos team so far this season is that they've been dealt a lot of punches and they've rolled with them. So want to get to uh, fill in the blank? Are you ready for that?
0: Let's do it, Phil.
2: Okay, let's do it.
0: Phil, uh, can you cue the intro music?
2: do do Fill in the blank.
0: Perfect. I like that. Phil, uh, your first fill in the blank, the Broncos, their three Super Bowl wins, two of them have been against NFC South opponents, Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons. Blank was the more rewarding Super Bowl victory? Rewarding? Yeah. Exciting. Exhilarating. I mean, you can choose an adjective.
2: Um, I, I think that rewarding-wise, I would have to say Super Bowl 50. Just in terms of what – I sort of look at the four years that Peyton Manning was here, and I just sort of say those four years, I remove them from – that's like a that is like an era of football in Denver. And I say, okay, they had the um Joe Flacco disaster that happened with the uh with 2019? the bomb. Huh? Twenty nineteen. No, that was twenty twelve with the Raheem Moore. Oh the
0: the Joe Flacco when
2: the he was. Unspeakable. Wasn't on the, team. the unspeakable play. The other Joe Flacco moments. Yeah. So that happened, that was heartbreaking. That was that was soul crushing okay then the next year they came back they went to the super bowl obviously we know how that went against seattle so that those teams suffered heartbreak you know and i like the fact that finally they got there and got over the hump and had that win now when you go look at that super bowl 33 team obviously they had won it the year before and they were trying to do something that very few nfl teams had ever done and Gone go back to back, so there was a little bit of a challenge there. Back but, to back, back to back. But I would say that, just in terms of a rewarding feeling, winning it after so much heartbreak is probably more rewarding. But that's Super Bowl 33, obviously, John Elway's final game. He they went back to back. They they had a little bit of drama there where they were facing Dan Reeves, you know, but for the most part. That team was dominant. And I don't even think that Super Bowl was ever really in question. So,
0: yeah, I think the Peyton era would have felt incomplete without a Super Bowl title. And so, that's a good uh, way to put it. Yeah. So that uh, kind of validates the decision. I think even maybe without a title, you look back at that stretch and just think, what if, you know, not just for the Broncos, but an all time NFL era of man, the Broncos had. Peyton Manning for four years and, and couldn't win a Super Bowl. That would have been tough. Um, yeah. I will say, obviously, John Elway gets his Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl 33. That to me That's kind of special. validates his yep. his career in some ways. Um, it's
2: not like you're like, oh, I need. I was missing that, and I needed that specific thing. But I wouldn't say I wouldn't use the word validate. The validation came the year before touched when a they went when a they nerve. won Super Bowl thirty-two. That was his validation. It's not like it's not like you need a Super Bowl MVP to validate a, a Hall of Fame career. Sorry,
0: I've really <laughs>
2: gosh, my
0: apologies. Um
2: But I do think it was something. That was like a that was a thing, you know, that he I mean, won winning,
0: the MVP. Winning a Super Bowl MVP is
2: it's
1: important.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean uh, if the if Anthony Davis had won Finals MVP this year over LeBron James, to me it would have like uh, discounted a little bit the title for LeBron. Hmm. You know, the the same way that I think
2: uh, it's kind of like how Michael Jordan won six titles and was the Finals MVP all six times. It's right,
0: like LeBron has the done it four times, I believe. Yeah, still six, still playing.
2: Six versus four. So, okay, yes, yeah,
0: But um, Like Pete Manning was an MVP in his first Super Bowl win, mm-hmm. and I don't know what what he would say if there's one like if he felt that he contributed more to that one or not. I don't know what he would.
2: I think he'd probably say that yes.
0: Yeah. So I, I just think that having a Super Bowl MVP to your name, there's obviously was- only so many of those guys. It's. Uh,
2: we obviously saw what that did for Von Miller's fame and popularity, you know. And pocketbook. And pocketbook. Yeah. Yeah. He shares right, some Phil, of those funds with you, right? Uh, I can't really talk about that. Uh, okay. That's why I thought maybe you brought it up. Was that, hey, yes. Yeah, well, it's been nice.
0: Okay. <laughs> Phil, uh, Drew Locke, not so great in the first three quarters, exceptional in the final frame blank is your expectation for him this weekend against the Falcons
2: three touchdowns in every quarter perfect new, third new blank. i would say I would say if drew could throw for three hundred yards um Four two, touchdowns? Touch, two touchdowns, one interception that would be a great game for me, but because that means that he went out there and play Drew Locke-style football, which is what I think the Broncos need to encourage him to do. Be yourself. Go out there and just play the way that you know you can play. I think that that's important, Eric. And I think that he wants to be smart and careful with the football, but he needs to be himself. And so maybe you throw one interception. I can live with that. But 300 yards, that means that you did it over the course of a game. And I think that two touchdowns means that you had some success in the red zone, and you were able to, uh, you know, play pretty strongly.
0: Do you know how many 300-yard games Drew has? One. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that being obviously a really excellent performance based on the standards we've seen so far. Um, but eventually
2: he, you want him to get to that. Of course.
0: Of course you do. So of course you do.
2: That's I my would expectation.
0: Say, I would Never say if he could down. throw – okay wow i like it i'll uh i think if he could get to 270 and then have a couple of touchdowns and a pick i'd be happy i don't need those extra 30 yards
2: yeah i was gonna say wow big whoop 30 yards geez you make me sound like i'm crazy and then you're like how about like 289
0: yeah it could be nice okay phil this one is uh You dangled me above the chum pit.
2: Now you're going to dangle I'm
0: going to dangle you. Okay, let's go. Phil, it's uh,
1: it's fourth and goal. You're on the five-yard line. Five-yard line? You got to score. They've doubled
0: Jerry Judy. They've doubled KJ Amler. They've got one-on-one coverage on Noah Fant and one-on-one coverage on Albert O. Hmm. Who are you throwing to?
2: That's interesting, Eric, because um, you know when the Broncos faced that fourth down play where they got the pass interference on Alberto, I don't even think Noah Fant was on the field for that play. Mm. Which is, uh, you know, you're talking about so it's a
0: f- fact or a,
2: could be a fill act, but yeah, well, I'm pretty I sure I saw him. PH. I'm pretty sure I saw him run off the field there. Uh, okay. you can correct I'll, me I'll you confirm
0: don't. as you uh, talk.
2: But so, so considering that, considering Albert O's size, see, I think his size is more valuable in that situation where Fant's speed makes him overall mm. more valuable. So, like, if you are going to tell me, hey, I'm in the middle of the field, who would I rather throw it to on fourth down? Maybe Fant. But since we're five yards out, I would say Albert O, just because. And he's probably going to start getting double teams in those situations now. You know, I think that there was some, uh, there was some controversy, Eric, uh, with the pass interference on him. That was pass interference.
0: Yeah, of course it the was. The
2: defender's head didn't turn around until the very last second. Like even he already made contact and then he turned around and he didn't even really turn all the way around. He just tilted his head back. So like. Mm-hmm. That does not constitute looking and making a play at the ball, you know. That's what these DBs are taught is that even if they can't do it, just act like you're turning your head around. That didn't happen. That was obviously pass interference. I I would say Albert O. Fourth and and goal from the five, I'm going to Albert O.
0: So you think he's a more valuable player?
2: In that very specific situation it. Um, like I said, though, Eric, if that was in the middle of the field and it was fourth and five, I'm going to faint.
0: But that's, I mean, it was the middle of the field on the other, on the fourth and five. That yeah. or fourth Did you and confirm four.
2: that he was not on the field?
0: He actually was not on the field for that fourth and four and also not on the field for the final play of the game.
2: Yeah. What do you think that's about? That's interesting
0: to me. Yeah.
2: That that's is interesting.
0: interesting. And it is especially interesting if I, uh, just pull some of these. We love uh, we love facts here at the neutral zone, Phil. Albert O., Phil, was only on the field for 16 snaps.
2: How many times Noah did he get targeted, 15?
0: <laughs> he was on the field for 16 snaps. Noah Fant was on the field for 51 snaps. It's interesting that on the final two plays of the game, that Fant is not out there and Albert O. is. Huh?
2: I noticed it because because I saw a fan running off, out of the huddle and onto the sideline.
0: Now, maybe there's maybe there's nothing to make of this, and it's just, um, you know, fans gassed from playing a whole drive there and needed a, a break. Um, but maybe something to keep an eye on here over the next couple of games when they're in the red zone. Because certainly I don't think you can afford, if you're the Broncos, to, I mean, forget that even if Andrew Beck and Jake Butt were not on IR, I don't think you can afford to take Alberto off the field right now he's playing really well
2: yes um i agree
0: i, w- I will say just in general i trust noah fans hands a little bit more i think yes. he's had a little more experience uh playing these nfl type defenders being in these situations he's shown he's sure-handed over the last uh really the better part of the last year so yes i uh y- you know one thing I noticed with Alberto's touchdown was that he still got to kind of figure out his the spatial awareness of in the pros getting two feet down. You know, he was yes, lucky, that, lucky he that, that he got the landed. cheek down yep. because he was not getting two feet in. I think that will improve with time. But right now, I think Noah's probably the more polished player down there.
2: Agreed. Agreed. And Eric, while we're talking about this this sort of thing, I, I do want to say hello to Pat Shermer because he's obviously listening. Eric, because if you look at the box score, the amount of targets that Jerry Judy got—ten, Noah Fant nine—those are uh, the kind of numbers that we talked about last week on the news. Yeah,
0: you asked, you asked in particular for those those uh, benchmarks to be made.
2: I did. So he did. Uh, Coach Shermer, thanks for listening. We appreciate that. And uh, yeah.
0: and Phil knows Phil uh, has some ideas for the red zone.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, should you cue us out here, Eric, uh, with some music? I I did the intro. Yeah, let me. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Very nice, Eric. Thank you very much. Uh, So let's uh, wrap up this show, Eric. Uh, You know, people who want to get involved in 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 the neutral zone, they can, and there's a lot of ways to do that. One way, Eric, I think people can email, right?
0: Yeah, they can. They can send an email to neutralzoneshow at gmail dot com. Send their thoughts that way.
2: Yeah, send us a, send us an email and we'll read it on the neutral zone. Uh, but I think Eric, we prefer it when there's a, a voicemail. We like to play voicemails on there. And uh, if you go ahead and call seven zero seven neutral, you can uh, leave a voicemail and tell us what you think. We like to do that particularly. After games, get fans' reactions, listen to NZ Nation. But we also like it uh, in the middle of the week, and we got a good one this week here. Eric, go ahead and play that for you now. Hey, Phil and Eric. It's, uh, Jerry Cruz from Temple, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. Uh, Colorado-born, Broncos blood. Uh, great win this Sunday. Oh, my gosh. I I could hardly speak after all the screaming I was doing. Anyway, um, just going to tell y'all, don't uh, hear y'all talking about a win over Atlanta. Don't sleep on the Falcons. They, uh, you know, could actually be, you know, three wins more than they have right now. So um, you've got to have solid defense. But uh, love your show. Um, Y'all doing a great job. And um, Eric, quit arguing with Phil. Y'all have a good one. Jerry, uh that's my best friend calling down uh, in enemy territory this week. Yeah. Said so, you should stop arguing with me.
0: You well know, he might be from Colorado, but he's from Georgia now.
2: Exactly. I love
0: it. And as They're a North from Carolinian, the South.
2: Exactly. You're from the as a
0: North Carolinian, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Takes me takes me right
2: back. Love that uh I love it. Thank you for the phone call there, Jerry. I appreciate it. And I think that this Broncos team is taking the Falcons seriously, so I don't think they're sleeping on them. I know that, you know, they've got a lot of offensive talent. Matt Ryan, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe a Hall of Famer, Eric. I don't know. It's possible. See how his career wraps up. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, a consistently talented quarterback. And then we know about the wide receivers. We know about Todd Gurley. You know, it's going to be an interesting week for Jerry Judy, I imagine, just because those two on the other side, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, idols of his.
0: Yeah, really close with Calvin in particular. He went to the same high school. Uh, was kind of like an older brother figure and then, of course, went to Bama. So we might have a story on DenverBroncos.com coming about such that relationship. Really? Could be interesting. Did you, I
2: did you say, travel? You went to the high school. You talked to their former head coach. You talked to I only to their do that for
0: Trevor Simeon.
2: Got <laughs> it. Got it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Got it. And uh, we've done Bradley Chubb, maybe. That's about it.
2: Justin Simmons, maybe? Yeah, Justin Simmons. That was a nice one.
0: I knew there was one I was missing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Got the J sims sandwich. That's true. Yeah. Just outside of uh, Fort Lauderdale there. Yeah. 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 Uh, so thank you for the voicemail there, Jerry, calling from Georgia. Eric, uh, there's another way that fans can get in touch with us. That's on Twitter, at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani with a P-H. Some strange spellings there, Eric. P-H, Phil.
0: Really odd. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So get in contact. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know how this show can be better. We pay attention to the YouTube comments. We listen. We try to adapt. You know, hopefully, Eric, not such a smug face this time.
0: Yeah, hopefully my face is a little less smug. And hopefully you're a little less wrong.
2: Yeah. Some person wrote that uh, they believe that uh, I'm just a mouthpiece or something for the Broncos. And you actually know what you're talking about. That was one comment. So you got got my comment. That's good. I just didn't know you had so many burner accounts.
0: You know, that's that's what I spend all my extra time
2: doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, uh, let us know how you you think we're doing. You could uh, obviously still find us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, um, cassette tape, uh, Eric, uh, CD. Vinyl. We're not on vinyl. We're not on vinyl. No? No. We're not on 8-track, maybe? So. Um, anyway, so we'll be back uh, next Monday after the Broncos face the Falcons. We'll have that game wrapped up. But until then, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani, and you've been listening to The, the Neutral Zone.